Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Blog Talk Radio.
to know where they can catch you. And so let's start with that. Where can, where can people find you? Actually, they can find me um, in Brooklyn. That's <laughs> uh, <laughs> right. The, uh, the home of the Barclays Center, one of the recent, um, it's one of the biggest uh, hotbeds in, uh, in the sport of boxing right now because of the Barclays and all the fights that are there. But um, mainly they can find me at boxing.com uh, where I've been a, a, a staff writer for a little over two years now. And uh, I do a very popular weekly column called The Week That Was that recaps all of the uh, boxing action from around the, around the globe uh, every, every Monday that runs. And then I do, uh, you know, different pieces, uh, columns, and articles from uh, time to time on, you know, different fights all on boxing.com as well as examiner.com is another site that uh, I'm a contributor to. And uh, how can I get you up on Twitter because you are, you are on Twitter doing it all. Oh yeah, definitely. At, uh, follow me on Twitter at Teron Briggs. I've got uh, you know certainly plenty of plenty plenty to say about the sport of boxing, but uh, I've got a lot to say about uh, pop culture and uh, and uh, baseball and football and basketball. You name it. Uh, I'm a pretty opinionated uh, guy, so if, if you follow me, you'll you'll get a, a lot about the sport of boxing, but you'll, you'll get a lot of other stuff as well. I'm telling you, he's a must follow. So y'all make sure y'all catch him. And that Twitter, that Twitter world, we 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 trying to we trying to take that over uh, on the RSC. We're working on it, trying to step our game up. But this is a person you definitely need to follow. So you were you were you were there, ringside as part of that whole HBO package. Walk us through the night and the fights, and and just your own your observation of that night before we slide over to the Barclays Center, where I had my eyes at least from a television standpoint watching the Showtime stuff. But let's start. Let's walk. Uh, what you witnessed uh, in, uh, uh, in on the HBO special? Exactly. So yeah, I got the uh, got the honor to um to cover the, the HBO boxing at the dark card that was uh, held down in the Atlantic City at the Boardwalk Hall, the ballroom there. Uh, I I drove down uh, this past weekend, and the uh, it's it's crazy because uh, you know sometimes it happens where the, you know usually the main event is supposed to be the uh, the, the fight with the marquee fighters, the uh, the fights right. that usually everyone everyone looks forward to when they go to see a, a card, unless you know, unless it's a family member or something who's coming to see one of the the, the co-main events or one of the undercard fights. But this was a rare occasion where the co-main event or the undercard fight actually stole the thunder of the main event. Actually, even before the um. Before the actual fights took place, it was the the fight that was most looked forward to, and that was the fight um, between James Kirkman and Glenn Tapia, which turned out to to not only be the um, the best fight on that HBO card, but it was the best fight of the the night, and probably will um, get consideration as one of the best fights of the year. And uh, that was an awesome fight. I don't know if you got a chance to see it. Did you uh, did you check it out? Yeah. I, I take that, and so I'm, I'm actually going to be uh, breaking that down and watching it because uh, I was okay. watching that, uh, the, the Showtime card. Uh, but I, I love James Kirkman and the fact that he's been reunited with his old manager. So I was wondering how that was going to impact him uh, as, a, as, a, as a fighter um, uh, because that's when he had his best run. Um, and tapia has got all heart. <laughs> So yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, James Kirkland is a is a guy who's been uh been on the scene for the last you know three or four years. Uh, he's gotten a lot of publicity because he's a he's a brawling he's a boxer who loves to brawl. He's been in uh he was in a a really good fight with a 
Alfredo Angulo uh, a year, yeah. two years ago, I think it is now, that uh, there was a, a barn burner. They, they, they literally uh, threw caution to the wind and, and fought for, like, I think it was five rounds of uh, some of the most intense action you'll ever see. But, uh, yeah, Kirkland, James has been away. He, he was actually away from the sport for about 14 months. He had some, some issues with the law and promotional issues. Um, that he has now cleared up, and, and you touched on it a bit. He um, not only does he he has a not only is he back with his trainer Ann Wolf, who uh, many people have seen before because she's been um, HBO has spotlighted her. Um, she she trained him again for this fight, but he also is now being promoted by Fifty Cent, the uh, the hip hop yeah. artist. Uh, Fifty Cent, the rapper. We, uh, I think most people probably know who Fifty is by now, but uh, he has been in the in the sport for the last year or two. And uh, Kirkland is by far his most um, well-known fighter that he that he promotes, and uh, so this was his first first fight uh, fighting underneath um, SMS, which is um, Fifty Cent's promotional company pr- promotional banner. This was his first fight, uh, James, with uh, Fifty. So that was pretty uh, that was pretty monumental, and in that regard, you know, that certainly will help him get additional publicity outside of just the, uh, you know, the boxing world because of 50 Cent's uh, reach and, and the fact that he is so well-known. Well, I mean, when you, when you think about, um, they, they, they talked about, the, you know, the brutality of that, that fight. What, what, what for you made it the, a fight of the year candidate? Well, for me, um, to me, it, I, I, would not, I would not call it my fight of the year just because it was a little – too one-sided. Um, usually in, in, fight, yeah. in fights of the year, I like it to be a very competitive matchup. And for the yeah. first two, maybe three rounds of this fight, it was competitive. Yeah. Uh, I think all three judges in the, uh, for the fight had Glenn Tapia, who was the, uh, yeah. nicknamed the Jersey Boy. He was the, um, yeah. he was the guy who had the, the crowd behind him. I mean, that, that's one thing that made it such a great atmosphere and such a great fight uh, was because even though it was a small arena, the ballroom at uh, the boardwalk probably sits about 2,500 people or so, mm-hmm. 90% of those people were supporting Glenn Tapia, the, uh, the undefeated uh, junior middleweight who was challenging um, James Kirkland, the more established star. So Tapia's people were loud. I mean, if you know Jersey people, you know they can get loud, and they were getting loud for their boy. Um, Tapia, they were, you know, cheering like crazy. They, were, they really believed that he was gonna um that he had a, that he had a chance to win and he certainly did because he has a big punch and in the first round he came out and he, he rocked James a couple times um with some really good shots. He looked very composed. Um he's a guy who hadn't previously fought on HBO before. He's been featured on like ESPN and a bunch of other mm-hmm. um smaller smaller networks, but this was his first time really in the spotlight. And he got off to a really good start. He looked composed in there. But um James Kirkland is a beast and anyone who, who has yeah. seen his fights knows that especially for this for this weight class, I mean he fights at, at junior middleweight hundred and fifty four pounds, he throws a ton of punches for a hundred and fifty four pound fighter. I mean that's the same class that uh you know that Floyd Floyd is in and on average fighters throw between fifty to sixty punches around. James Kirkland in this fight and in a lot of the fights that he's uh that he's been in, he'll throw in excess of a hundred punches around. I mean, he's like a buzzsaw, and he was that way <clears throat> Saturday night. He was just relentless, and he weathered um, he weathered the storm early from from, from Glenn Tapia. The, 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 the Jersey boy looked very strong, like I said early on, and then mm-hmm. over the course of the next five rounds uh, after the first, 
Kirkland just brutally beat him down. It was uh, it was pretty it was pretty gruesome to watch. I just got an opportunity to yeah. watch the uh, to watch it on television after having seen it live. And you know when you're live, a lot of times you don't realize just how mm-hmm. you know you're not able to see the fighters' faces close up and stuff. So you don't see the expressions, and you know you know a lot of times you get a chance to see just how badly bruised or beaten they were. That was a mm-hmm. very vicious fight, uh, but I mean, I loved it. The, the, the fans there, you know, even though they were all very upset, um, the fight was stopped by TKO. It was a yeah. TKO stoppage. Uh, Kirkland just overwhelmed Tapia, and eventually the the referee, the veteran referee, Steve Smoger, had to get in and uh, and stop the fight. So when you look at the other uh, other uh, fights in that car, what, what, what's the stuff that stepped up and, 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 and made you uh, beyond that fight, beyond the Kirkland fight? I'm sorry, can you please repeat that? Where were some of the other fights in the car that, that people should pay attention? Were there, were there anyone that you felt like, a lot of times, especially with boxing after dark, are there some people that you, you feel like are on their way up that um, we should be paying attention to? Exactly. I mean, the, like I said, the main event, uh, the main event featured Guillermo Rigandau, the yeah, former, yep, former Cuban amateur, multiple mm-hmm. uh, two-time gold medal winner. He's also, uh, I think, he's most known to uh, boxing fans for his uh, unanimous win earlier this year over former former champion Nonito Donier. He uh, whitewashed him. They, they fought at the uh, Radio City Music Hall and. Rigandau Donaire, who was a who was a big favorite and you know who's a, a very well known fighter, and Rigandau basically did the same thing um, this past weekend. He he went the full twelve rounds with a, a former former champion Joseph Abeko, uh, a um, a fighter out of um, out of from originally from Ghana who now fights out of the Bronx, who is a capable you know he's he's a little older he, for the smaller weight classes he's like thirty three years old. But uh, he's a tough guy, and Rick and Dow, once again he schooled another he schooled another fighter. I, I in my uh, in my weekly column I, I said that he did a uh, he basically pitched the Sandy Koufax. He was perfect. I mean all all three of the judges scored the fight the same. They they gave him every single round of it. Uh, it got a little repetitive. It got a little boring. So it's 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 not necessarily the fight that you want to tell a um you know when you watch when you get a chance to watch the rebroadcast uh or, or when you get a chance to watch i know mean, you said you dvr it you might you might end up fast forwarding through that uh through the main event because it was kind of because it was repetitive just because it was so one-sided but uh rick and is someone to watch he's undefeated uh and he is technically other than floyd mayweather he might be the most technically skilled fighter in the sport um the hardest thing for top rank his promoter is going to be to be able to find him um, fighters that can be competitive with him because he's just that good. And, and I mean, and you almost had the same. I mean, it's the Cuban fires. If you think about Lara against Trout, um, and I, I'm still trying to figure out Trout's strategy with, you know, he's, it would have been a boring fight because they're both counterpunchers. But it seems like you know, Cuban fighters are you know they're technically sound, but are, you know, between Lara, I mean, Lara had a you know, uh, I think the late round knockdown a trout was, you know, exciting. But it just feels like uh, up until that point, and I, I guess that fight was more styles, but, you know, the, the ability to promote, particularly Rickendahl, I mean, how, do you, how are you leveraging that? I mean, they're technically sound, but they, they don't like to take chances. They don't look like they do some of the things that could bring you that mega fight. 
Exactly. Um, very, very valid points. They, they don't. I mean, they don't take chances. And, and listen, and you can't, you certainly can't be upset with them for not taking chances because the more, the more offensive you are in a fight, or the more you, in a fight, the more you open yourself up to, you know, to try to take out your opponent. The more you're going to make yourself, uh, the easier you're, you're going to be to hit. So, I, I, I certainly understand why, why Riggin Dow is, uh, you know, why he is hesitant to. So, you know, he's not going to put his chin out there for someone to hit, to hit him, and no one can currently fault him for that. The, the hardest thing is just going to be to match him with fighters who sort of have the complete opposite style from him. The last thing anyone wants to see is Rigondeaux fight a fighter who is very technically skilled and, you know, and very safety first like him because you end up getting a horrible matchup, kind of like what happened with the uh, the trout Laura fight. You got two guys who are who are counter punchers by nature. Um, the, the, the Laura Trout fight, of course, was on the uh, on the Barclays Showtime card. But um, yeah, you get you get two guys who who think the same in the ring, and and you end up getting a horrible fight unless you get two guys who are both brawlers, like the Tapia Kirkland fight. So that's what they're gonna. That's what Top Rank is gonna have to do for Rigondeaux. They're gonna have to to match him very carefully. Match him with guys who are sort of come forward types. Who he's gonna be able, you know who he's going to be able to exploit and who's going to give him some, uh, he's going to be able to hit, you know, basically. It, um, and on that, on that card, um, uh, Porter, uh, I guess Devin Alexander, this young kid, he brought hard, he got physical, he put Alexander around, beat him up, but he's got some skills and some power. Um, is it Sean Porter, is it? I want to make sure. Exactly, right Sean. Up. Sean Porter yeah. out of uh, uh, out of Akron, Ohio. Uh, he's a Midwest yeah. guy, so I'm sure you must got a little love for him because of that. Yeah, that boy can fight. He can, man. He really can. You know, he he's another guy who uh, he's 26 years old. He was he had a standout amateur career, um, won a ton of fights, and then since he's been a professional, he's been moved very slow. I mean, this this was just his 23rd fight uh, when he just beat. Devin Alexander and took his IBF welterweight title, but before Alexander, he was moved very slow. A lot of a lot of people in and around the, the sport felt like you know uh, a kid who had the kind of amateur pedigree that he had. They wanted to see him move move quicker. They wanted to see him in a ring yeah. with tougher guys, and uh, and it just you know his, for whatever reason his people just didn't. But when he finally was put in the spotlight and put in against uh, a dangerous, tough you know world class opponent like Devin uh, the Devon Alexander, he shined. I mean, he, uh, like you said, he physically, and, and he said it. He, he said it before the fight, Porter. He said that he felt like he was the bigger man, he was the stronger man, and you saw that in there. He physically manhandled uh, the champ and and just out just out 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 fought him and and brutalized him uh, <laughs> in a lot of ways in taking that uh in taking that fight. The, the judges' scorecards were were pretty close. But I, I had Porter winning uh, by quite a few rounds. I thought he won that decidedly. Yeah, I had a one nineteen one oh nine. Um, the 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 Binka Durrell fight. I, I mean, I had Durrell winning one fifteen one eleven. I just felt like Binka. This cat, it will. You talk about by any means necessary. He epitomizes. He gonna headbutt you. He gonna hit you low. Uh, I don't know if you had a chance to watch that fight, but it was. I mean, it was. They were going at each other, hitting low, and, and, and hitting low, and then you know Darrell basically walked out of the uh, the ring after the the, the draw was announced. Uh, but uh, you know, I don't know if you had a chance to watch it, but it was it was a crazy 
crazy fight. And I was trying to figure out, you know, is either one of these guys' arrows going up? I couldn't really – I didn't come walk away and feel like either one of them had an arrow that was going up. After that, yeah, yeah. I mean, that was a good – I did get a chance to watch that. Um, there was a super middleweight fight. It was for, for yeah. Bika's WBC title which he ended up retaining because the, the, the fight was called the draw. Much like you, um, I, didn't, I didn't do a scorecard, but I did think that Darrell did enough to win. Darrell, is, uh, this was his, his first, first loss as a professional. Um, he's a, he's a, uh, a guy out of uh, Flint, Michigan, who's, uh, who's really most known to, to fight fans because his brother, Andre Darrell, is a former world title holder uh and and has been uh in the spotlight for the last few years he was featured in the um in the showtime super six that they had a few years ago but uh anthony Durrell, to me actually because this was much like sean porter this was anthony Durrell's first really good um really tough uh tough fight he was 26 and oh before this fight uh but he had never really fought anyone good. So even though he had piled, you know, compiled a very good record, a lot of people didn't know just how good of a fighter he was. And I thought he equipped himself pretty well. Like I said, I, I just like you, I had him winning. Um, the fight was at times, it was very rough. Uh, you know, there was a, a point deduction late in the fight against Bika. Um, not, not only was uh, he accused of hitting low, but uh, it also, mm-hmm. you know, it looked like a couple times he tried to use a forearm. I mean, things got towards the end of that fight. They were that was like a Brooklyn uh, back alley uh, fist fight there. It was appropriately housed in the Barclay in Brooklyn. It, it was Brooklyn, Brooklyn all the way in that. The the marquee fight obviously was Paulie and Zab, the Battle of the Borough, Battle for Brooklyn. They even gave out a belt at the end. It was basically, I didn't expect Paulie to just outclass Zab after what he did in his previous fight against Garcia. And I I want your opinion. It was a moment in the fight when his dad was yelling at him. It was almost like he realized, I'm not 18 anymore. How are you... It was like it was one of those moments where he realized, I'm a grown man, but you yell at me like I'm an 18. It was just one of those moments where it was a disconnect, and he just kind of disconnected from the fight. Which, 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 I mean, that was not, I did not expect Zab to fight like that. <laughs> yeah, I mean, Zab is, Zab is 36 years old now. Um, you know, what, what, what hasn't been said about him over the years, you know, he's been, he's been in the boxing spotlight since he won his first world title way back in, I think it's, and, and I could be wrong, something like 1998 or 2000. Uh, yeah. He's been in so many ring wars. You know, he's been knocked out before. He, he's been, he was a former undisputed welterweight champion. But he's got a lot of tread on his tires is what I'm saying. On his, uh, and it showed. It showed in that fight. Uh, he went in as the favorite because he's, uh, he's a bigger puncher than Paulie, and he's, he's had the better victories in his career than Paulie has. But uh, Paulie's a little younger. I think he's 31. Um, he's, he's about five, mm-hmm. almost six years younger. And, and you saw that in the ring. He just looked like the much fresher fighter. Like you said, he, he, put it, he gave um, Zab a boxing lesson, man. His, his movement, his, his footwork in the ring. Uh, in my article, I said, I won't be surprised if we see him on uh, Dancing with Stars pretty soon because yeah. he, the way he was able to move around the ring and not run, he literally just – Simple, su- subtle steps from side to side that made it very difficult for uh, 
for Zab to load up on his punches and, and connect. And and you just saw Paulie give him a boxing lesson for uh, for twelve rounds. He uh he beat him up. He and uh you know and he, he he shocked a lot of people in getting that victory. And he most importantly for him, he prolonged his career because he said after he lost to Adrian Broner uh, in June of this year at the at that same arena at the Barclays Arena, Paulie considered leaving the sport. And it wasn't until um, Al Heyman gave him a call and, and told him uh, you know that he thought that he could still make some money in the sport and still still win a world title that he decided to come back. And now that he now that he's beaten Zab and you know got gotten his little feather in his hat, got the little King of Brooklyn title. Um, now he's already said that he he says already he wants a rematch with Broner if Broner wins his upcoming fight, big fight this weekend. And if not, he he wants another big payday. And and it looks like he's probably definitely in line for that. All right, you guys are cute. We, we're gonna we're gonna pay some bills and we're gonna come back and talk about the big fight this weekend and get your prediction. Uh, as we uh, talk about the cards and get your your prediction on the big fight, um, this is the RSG Real Sports Guys special uh, for boxing. Uh, we're going to pay some bills. Resistance Digital Solutions. Are you tired of running to the boys in blue? Are you done with listening to sales staff trying to upsell technology that you don't need? We've all been there. So what did the Real Sports Guys do? We contacted Resistance Digital Solutions for all our technology needs. They are not there to meet sales quotas or make profit margins. They simply just want to sell you what you need at a fair price. From iPads to PCs to flat screens, TVs, or intricate home theater systems, they customize every solution based on your needs. Check out their website at www.resistancedigital.com or email them at sales at resistancedigital.com for your custom technology solutions today. You listen to the Real Sports Guys, realsportsguys.com, our, our boxing special, getting ready for the big weekend with Adrian Broner uh, and Madonna. Um, we're here with Teron Briggs from boxing.com. Uh, also, he has a, uh, a, a blog, uh, The Week That Was, that you definitely got to follow. Hit him up on Twitter. Uh, Teron, give your folks your Twitter uh, handle. Sure, it's at Teron Briggs. T-E-R-O-N is the first name. The last name is Briggs, B-R-I-G-G-S. I try to make it as simple, yeah. as, uh, as, simple as possible for people to remember. Uh, you're making it simple. I'm, yeah, I'm telling you all, folks, I've got to follow this man. When you, when you get out here, he's not going to hit you with boxing. He'll hit you with a whole bunch of stuff. He's a great follow. Um, he's a name that you're going to continue to see uh, really impacting the boxing game, and, and we need to support him as he supported us on the RSG. Now we've got the big weekend. Exactly, okay. so here let's we talk, are. Let's, 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 let's talk about the weekend. Let's talk about the card, and then let's go to the main event and your keys to victory. Okay, great. Yep, the, uh, it's, a, it's the final big card of the year. It's uh, this Saturday night on Showtime, uh, Showtime Championship Boxing from the Alamo Dome in San Antonio, and the, the marquee fight is, is the main event, and, it's, and it features the WBA welterweight uh, title at stake. The, the the champion is uh, someone who has uh, unfortunately garnered more headlines for his out of the ring antics than he has for his fighting skills. But he is one of the best fighters in the sport today, after Adrian Broner, uh, and he's going to be putting his title on the line against the tough um, competitor, uh, tough former title challenger Marcos Maidana in a um, in a fight that 
just figures to be uh, one of the better ones of the year because of the style matchups. Just like how we were talking before, Broner is very technical. Mm-hmm. So he he's a boxer first, puncher second. But he he is a puncher. He does have good. Uh, he has shown himself to have good knockout power. Um, and Mar- Madonna is a is a brawler. He is uh, a face first, come forward sort of uh, just animal in the ring. He's a he's a guy who's never been never been knocked out. He, he has a couple losses on his record, but um, he is not afraid. He's not afraid of combat, and he has already said that he's going to bring bring whatever he has. To, to Broner, so it's going to be a – it should be really good. Broner has actually not been who, – who, Broner loves to talk trash, and he actually is not talking trash for this fight because Maytana doesn't speak English. Uh, so he said that it doesn't make any sense to uh, to make fun of a guy who doesn't understand what he's saying. But um, Maytana knows how to fight. Uh, you know, that's the uh, universal language. So that figures to be a, a really good fight, and it's uh, it's actually a big card. It's a, it's a boxing card that has four – televised fights. Uh, like I said, Broner Maidan is the main event in the uh, the undercard. Keith Thurman, the undefeated interim welterweight title holder. He's uh, been on been on a showcase on Showtime recently. He is fighting. He's he's basically uh, defending his title against Jesus Soto Karaj, who's a who's a tough tough guy who's been around for a while. And then there are two um two two other undercard fights. That aren't really. They should be pretty good. Uh, they, they don't feature any big names, uh, but they do feature some titles on the line, and uh, and and they should be pretty interesting as well. So, so in your mind, you know, uh, you know, I, what are the key to victory to the victory uh, in terms of the big fight with Adrian Broner and, and, and Marcos Madonna? You know, what does what does Madonna have to do with Broner to to, to win the fight? Well, what Maidana has to do is he needs to make uh, Adrian uncomfortable. I mean, anyone who's seen Broner fight knows that he is, in a lot of ways, a carbon copy of Floyd Mayweather with his shoulder roll technique and his ability to be relaxed and comfortable in the ring. You know, that's that's the key to his success. He works off his jab. He, he likes to stalk his opponent. He likes to be in control. But he, he's always composed. So that's... Madonna has got to get, it's got to make him uncomfortable. And his style potentially leads to someone who could do that. He, he throws a lot of punches. He continually comes forward. He has a great chin. So uh, we, we certainly have, we certainly think that he should be able to take a lot of uh, firepower that Broner can give to him. And he's got to just, he's got to make Broner uncomfortable and, and get in his face, uh, which we, uh, which is going to be interesting to see whether or not he can do that. And I don't think anyone who I who I know who who thinks Madonna has a chance thinks that he's going to win a decision. So most people seem to think that if if he's going to win this fight, he's probably going to knock. He's going to have to, and he's probably going to knock out, win by by way of knockout or stoppage. So uh, Broner, you say keep doing what he does. <laughs> Broner, keep doing what he does. Keep working off his jab. Keep boxing. Uh, Madonna is going to give him a lot of openings, like I said, because he throws so many punches and yet. He's not a great defensive fighter. So for Adrian, I think he's just got to be he, – he, a lot of his knockouts, he moved up in weight. He's fighting at 147 now, but he used to fight uh, down at, at lightweight at 130. He, he compiled a lot of knockouts there. He hasn't shown that he can that, – that he's brought that power up with him against a guy like Maidana. He might have to be content to just beat him up for 12 rounds. He might not be able to knock him out. Uh, 
but if he does, if he tries to go for a knockout, if he if he thinks you know that uh, there's an opening there, that's when we could uh could really have a good fight because, like I said earlier, when when a fighter goes for that knockout, he opens himself up to get knocked out. So, so this is what you do. This is what you do. What what's your what's your prediction? I like uh, I like Broner by decision. I like him by twelve round decision in a uh, in a fight that I think early on what we're going to see Maidana make him uncomfortable. I think he'll make some uh, some mid fight adjustments. That's one thing that we've noticed in Broner is that he does uh, has done a very good job in his fights of making adjustments throughout to deal with whatever his his opponent is bringing at him. And uh, I think he'll win a I wouldn't say a lopsided, but I think he'll win a, a very clear, decisive vic- uh, decision, victory. I'm predicting Broner will TKO in the tenth round. I think TKO. Okay. Pauly, I think. I think. I think. I think people are judging too much off of Polly, and I think Polly is just too hard to hit. I think people are realizing he's got great defensive skills. I think a guy like Broner, in the way that I think we found. Uh, with somebody like Floyd, when you have an aggressive fighter, if you think about the knockouts Floyd has had, aggressive fighter, his quickness in the way that he might counter and, and come with crazy angles. And I also think Broner doesn't get enough uh, credit in terms of the body work he does with people early in the game. And I think that um, styles make fights, like you always said. I think having somebody come at him aggressively, I think he'll counter and catch between his speed then his power, he'll get something late. Because I think he's looking for something to put him back up on the stage and get people to, to realize that this power does go to, to the next level. And and really, I think we just realized that Paulie, Paulie is an elite fighter that's hard to hit. And so if somebody doesn't knock Paulie out, who's got a great chin, I think that you can't really judge. That's who people get to Paulie. So that's my thought. I'm going to throw it out there, but, you know, I could be wrong. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm going to hit you on Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, 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 I'm you hit me back, man, on that. I'm going to say this, man. It's a pleasure uh, to we were able to work this out and get you on uh, with us. Um, y'all Definitely. And one, one, one quick thing on that, on that card, uh, I just wanted to add uh, for anyone who on Showtime Extreme, one of the Showtime sister networks, they do the undercard fights, um, not the uh, you know. There's four, there's four, four fights in the sort of in the sort of the main event um, that are being televised on Showtime. But Showtime Extreme is does some of the lower uh, sort of lower echelon or less high profile fights. And in one of those fights, the former undisputed middleweight champion of the world, uh, oh, Jermaine Taylor, is going to be that's fighting. That's right. So uh, yeah, I, I wanted to ask you about that. Where's he going? Hey. I mean, listen, he's a I, – I, for one, don't think that he should be fighting, um, but he has mm-hmm. passed all of the, the necessary medical um, guidelines. In fact, he's going above and beyond that because a few years ago he did have some issues uh, where there was a, a small uh, – there was some blood on the, uh, on the brain that he, that mm-hmm. he unfortunately um, – you know, he, he dealt with some a health scare due to uh, due to fighting. He has since been mm-hmm. cleared. He took a, a ton of time off. He's come back. He's had a he's had a fight since since he sort of uh, left the sport a couple years ago. He didn't really look good in that. Um, this is his first time fighting in quite some time now. I think it's a, almost a year. He's fighting a guy who is 
uh, J.C. Candelio, who's an older fighter in his late 30s, hasn't been good in a while. Um, so hopefully he's the type of fighter who, who can't hurt uh, Jermaine. But um, I, don't, I don't really I don't understand from personally why Jermaine is continuing to fight when he's had these sort of health scares that he's had and, uh, and the, some of the horrific knockouts that he's suffered. But, uh, you know, but it's his right to continue, and as long as he can pass the, uh, get the medical clearance, you know, no one can stop him from fighting, and, uh, and he, is, he is continuing uh, on his quest to try to, uh, to, try to win a, another world title. Well, Dan, let the folks know again where they can catch you before we let you go. Definitely. You can catch me on uh, boxing.com. Uh, you can follow me on Twitter at Teron Briggs, as well as uh, also theexaminer.com. And I tell you right now, this is a real sports guy's uh, special, uh, uh, boxing. Uh, make sure you check out the fight this uh, uh, weekend against Madonna and, and, and Adrian Broner. It's going to be a great fight. Um, we look forward to having you back on again, uh, Tehran, and uh, you have a uh, you have a great time. I look forward to going back and forth with you on Twitter. Until next time, y'all. Uh, RSG, we'll see you next week at our regular time. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. 
More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.